So you got you got several explorers down in a cave. Ooh. Sounds very Falerian. Mm. And there's a and there's a cave in. And a rescue effort is launched, but they can't be rescued and they would they'll all starve to death before yeah. they're going to be rescued. However, they could stay alive long enough for the rescue to be accomplished if they killed and ate one of their number. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now they have communication with the surface, and so they know how long the rescue is going to take. Uh, they know for sure it can't be done in a shorter time. Uh, they also go over this possibility and ask whether this is something they should do. Should they kill and eat one of their numbers? And they get no response. Nobody's willing to say whether this would be acceptable. No one from above is right. willing to say yes, go, or, or uh, presumably no one from above is willing to say, absolutely not. Right. Don't you dare. And one of their... A- am I right on that? Yes. Okay. Right. No one's willing to say prohibit yay or nay. Or, yeah, say yay or nay. Uh, and these uh, cave explorers... And presumably there's already a prohibition on murder. Yes. Uh, so the fact that people aren't willing to say anything further from above doesn't mean they haven't said anything. Because there's a pre-stand, there's a there's an already existing prohibition. That's murder. right. And well, what, one question is: Does it apply? Of course. Are there implicit defenses? Of course. Is it? How will this actually be I'm applied in the future? Fa- if if you mean to suggest by the by the failure of people from above ground to to give further input means there isn't no one already is, a pre-existing right. set of rules. Of course, there's a pre-existing. It set of just rules. means that no one is willing to speak definitively as to the legality of right the to try to apply those things to this right. instance. And so they're leaving the people underground. Am I in one of the, am I in one of the underground people? I don't know. Are you? Um, I just can't remember how you started the hypo. No, I didn't say, I, okay. I, I said, cause four we're just leaving the, so we're, we're, we're throwing the, we're throwing the underground people back on their own resources. We're not, we're not from above. We're not giving them some signal from a, a, the authorities above right. ground. For example, we wouldn't prosecute you for murder right. if you ate one of your number to survive or. Or we definitely would prosecute you for murder if you ate one of your number to survive. So they all agree to draw lots. Okay. And the loser will be eaten. Will Is be suicide against the law in this jurisdiction? I don't think, I don't, I have no idea. Okay. I, I, maybe that's not a part of it. Because it, it is in many places against the law. Hmm. Um, one so person, hold on, we draw lots. Yeah. Oh, we are both down there. Okay, we draw lots. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay, well, let's be down there. Yeah, we draw lots. And one, yeah, someone it, gets the short straw. Yeah, yeah, I think. But one person tries to withdraw. A- after we've drawn mm-hmm. lots? Oh, no, before. Oh, before. before. Okay. Uh, but they had already agreed to do it. Okay. And draws the short straw and they're killed. Oh, crap. Eaten. So the person who first agreed. Yes. And then changed their mind. Right. Turned out to be the person who drew the short straw. Right. So if we hadn't proceeded after they withdrew their consent, they would never have picked the short straw. That's right. So they were involuntarily killed and eaten. Yeah. So that the others might survive. So that the others might survive. But this person had agreed originally to do this, but then withdrew at the right. at the last minute. Yep. And yep. not good enough, uh, according to what happened. Okay. Right. So then they kill and eat this person. They come back to the surface and there's now a, uh, after the rescued, which occurred when they said it would and they were able to survive because of this fact, they would have died but for the uh, killing. Yeah, all these are accepted Are they guilty facts. of murder? Oh, well, they, there's, no question that they, there's no question that they killed a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so the, it sounds to me like it all turns on whether the killing was justified. Why, why is that? Um, because an unjustified killing is murder, mm-hmm. as I understand it. And, and they did kill a human being. So, so the, the unjustified killing of a human being is murder. And you ask me, have they committed murder? Well, so, I mean, so we have to know what they, are you referring to a statute? You're assuming you're going to resort to some statute to uh, well, decide this? Well, statute or not, I mean, whether it's a statute or a common law source or whatever, I mean, the, 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 the notion of murder is the killing of a human being. I mean, we know this. That's the meaning of that term, right? So th- we know this is what murder is, is the killing, the unjustified killing of a human being. Well, I mean, murder has, you know, it's, there are complicated definitions of this, but uh, because it's got degrees be, and intentions right. and all this so yakety yak, but just, that's not what I'm. Let's this is a, it's not let's what just, you ask. This is a purposeful killing of a human being. There's no question, uh, right? Right, no question at all. Okay, so had there not been this necessity, perceived necessity, it clearly would be murder. Ah. We can stipulate that, right? So if this okay, is, well, I'm willing to. Right, so, I'm so, willing to agree to that. It sounds right to me. Okay, so there's a, suppose there's a statute which says that um, um, the uh, purposeful the, or knowing uh, killing of another human being is murder, and right, it has but, a list of and and there's a statute which gives a list of excuses, some of which uh, take, you bridled a bit when I said this. Ter- this ultimately came down to what the nature of the justification. Now, because I want to know but why you say that. Because it's because I, <laughs> well, you sounded like you were getting to the same place. Which is, it's this sounds like a murder, purposeful killing of another human being. So we've got to figure out what is there an adequate justification or not? Is there something that makes that what would otherwise be not okay okay? Under under what? Like how? how what are you going to consult to figure that to figure that out? Ah, well, you know, we might have we might have a we might have recognized justifications that with with category there might be categories of justification and we could try to analogize this one to one of those, this fact pattern or try that, right? Maybe we've never acknowledged any justifications before. So we have to confront the question, well, should there ever, should it ever be justifiable such so, that you could excuse the murder? If the statute doesn't contain this justification as a, it doesn't contain this sort of circumstance as an excuse or justification. And let's not belabor the difference between those for right now. Okay. Uh, it, it doesn't contain this as, as either of those things. Mm-hmm. W- do you think a court should read in a possible exception? As the statute just seems to apply on all fours. Yeah. I, well, this gets to a very deep question well, about, <laughs> about all rules being defeasible, which I believe they are. By a court? I mean, that's a... Yes. Okay, so, so what should the because judge do? Because I don't do? think we would ever... Because I, <laughs> I don't think human beings will ever agree to be ruled by robots. And, and, and one consequence of that belief is that all rules are defeasible. No, how is that a consequence? Because, um... What do you think a human being is if not a kind of robot? Mmm. But, so what do you, what do you, so, so what does the judge do? So what do you think the judge should do? In this instance, and it's funny because I'm trying, like, the... I'm uh, trying like the devil to remember all the different <laughs> wonderful uh, uh, answers Lon Fuller put in we'll, the We'll link up the art. Hopefully I'll be able to find a free version of this article the for Spunkian people to, Explorers. to see. It's a very famous piece um, by Lon Fuller. I think you use the word necessity, right? And I think that um, I've, <laughs> I find this a very difficult case, actually. 
to know what to do. Because So here, let me just lay out some of my initial thoughts. Okay, let's hear it. So one initial thought I have is, surely uh, not all of the people trapped down there would have died if they had simply waited to be rescued. Some of them would have. I, I think we postulated they would all die. We know for sure. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that, this is where the, the hypothetical just runs up against reality, which is I know that we can't actually be sure of things like that. Mm-hmm. So I want to fight the hypo, <laughs> but, but let me not. And we do... can't say for sure we won't find a way to rescue them sooner, Correct. et cetera. But, but so there are all these things. Th- we all act... the predictions were borne out though. We can look they at the, were, we... but they might have, but they might not have been, of course. So, um, I don't think that's a sound basis for, but I'm not going to fight the hypo. Okay. Please don't. I'm going to accept the hypo. Um, they, we know to a certainty that all would have died and that the only thing that stopped that from happening was the fact that they killed one of their number and consumed that person, mm-hmm. which is probably a separate legal violation. Put that to the side. Yeah. Because anything that will excuse the murder will excuse the cannibalism. Uh, maybe. I don't know about that. Maybe not. I mean, you've got an initial question about what the law is, what, what law applies. Does any law apply? Is it, and, and, and then. Yeah. And it's foolish to argue that I suppose the person might want to argue it. In fact, one of those people in the Spelunking Explorers might have argued it, but that when they were, when they were separated from the world by the cave in, they became a law unto themselves. I think that's, you think a, that's foolish to I think argue. That's a bunch of balderdash and poppycock. <laughs> you think they're still subject to the coercive Course. power of the state? Absolutely. And why is that? Because they're they are still <laughs> they're still in the location that where that state is. Why does that matter? Because that's a very practical way for answering that question. So and you it's say good to have a practical way to answer that question. So it's not possible. Um, it's not possible for the state managing its coercive resources, its powers, to decide not to apply the rules for deploying those coercive resources in the context of a cave-in where the people are truly separated? Well, yeah, that's an interesting question. Could it decide to do that? I I, I guess it could decide that. It strikes me You wouldn't. You wouldn't. I get that. I'm I'm just wondering what's possible here to decide. Yeah, well, anything's possible. Yeah. (laughs) But it just strikes me as foolish uh, because it's... has this sort of metaphysical silly feeling to it to say, well, it was, they were beyond the power of the state once the cave in happened because then it quickly gets, you, but, you but reverse it, it because you dig them back out. Uh, fine. Right? So, fine. But your conclusion that it's silly seems equally silly metaphysically, right? Cause you're, you're using a <laughs> metaphysical reason to say that they aren't beyond the power of the state. Fair enough. Whereas I think a more, so if you took a pragmatic, uh, approach to it, you would say that, declaring people not subject to the normal conditions of the law because of their remove from society would give too much license for people to decide for themselves that they are removed from society. Mm. And when they, when, when we as society may not decide that they are so removed that we will get too many acts of lawlessness. In other words, too many of the things the law is trying to avoid. So if we, Sounds great. If Could not a, have said it better myself. In fact, I failed to right here on the air. Uh, so that's what, what, so that's a pragmatic justification like it. for it. But it Thank is you. not a. Um, it's not metaphysical, right? Yeah. But but it, but it sounded good to me. But it could it could be otherwise though. <laughs> I right? agree with it. Like you could also say pragmatically, we don't because there are situations where we do want people to work things out on their own because the conditions of legality, to use 
Shapiro's term for it. But the, 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 the exigencies which drove us to make a law for our society in the first place are utterly different in this other place. And so lo- the law we've made to govern our normal conditions cannot apply sensibly in this removed space. And, I, and, I, and, and though I can imagine a situation of remove that is so drastic that it is a big reset on that clock of law, mm-hmm. um, this isn't that. Oh, I think it is that, isn't it? This isn't that situation. In fact, isn't admiralty law, like the whole relation between the captain and the crew and the law of mutiny, that's a whole special area of law where we've recognized that the law of the land uh, is not the law of the sea. Mm. And we've been able to say, Mm. okay, well, these conditions of remove, people cooped up on a ship for a bunch of time, those happen often enough and they are patterned enough that we can actually develop a new code to apply. No, it's it's a great point. And, And in fact, only underscores how correct I was. (laughs) Um, because, because that's not at all like this very temporary dislocation from the cave-in, which is quickly going to be overcome. Uh, And no, no, but the whole point is that from the point of view of the participants, uh, it will either be overcome by making their own law or it will never be overcome because they will all die. Okay. This is not a fleeting circumstance. Right. This is either. But you have to. So you have to consider both the perspective of the people in the situation and the people at the at on the outside of the situation ah. who can reabsorb the situation. Both. I think both perspectives are, are important. I think you, what you're saying is that there, it's almost as though there are kind of two societies and two legal systems which have to figure out how to take account of one another. Yes. And whether one has authority over the other. I like it. Hmm. I think we're getting somewhere. Uh, okay, so so there's that issue. There's but there's there's also the question of what. So suppose we do want our law to apply to the people under the, under the earth, uh, who who were there and yeah. and dying, and uh, if they didn't do this, and 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 we say, you know what, it, they they were not so separated that we say no law. Our our law does not apply, and the, and whatever law applied was theirs to make. Right. Um, and we will not pass judgment. We're not going to do that. There's still a question of what what does our law say about what happened? Yes, and I and to get to that question, I think um, that it is um, it's not like self defense where you're under attack and you're repelling that attack. Mm-hmm. It is self preservation. Now, why are you why are you thinking of it this way? I'm I'm trying to figure out what inquiry are, are you engaged in now when you were. I'm, doing I'm analogizing. This. I think we can. Um, I'm analogizing to what I take to be settled and accepted principles uh, mm-hmm. so that it's okay to kill someone in defense of your own life. Uh, now, is that, it, does that depend on whether a, that okay is in a statute? So we have a statute which says murder is a purposeful you killing. You want me to talk about a lot of different things all at once. I, well, I, I want you to decide the case. Can, okay. Assuming tell, a, tell me, tell me what. Stop interrupting with the statute stuff, unless you want. Unless so, so like tell I love me, it. Judge Joe, stop. Are we are we in a are, are we in a statute? There goes only your confirmation. That comes back. There goes your confirmation hearing right there. Joe. Oh, I think I, I think that ship sailed long ago. Uh, episode zero, probably or before. Um, Senator, stop it with these statute questions. <laughs> if you're. If you're telling me um, I have to find I'm not, the oh. answer to this question by interpreting words in a statute. No, book. I'm not telling you. I'm, that's what I'm trying to figure out, whether you feel that way. I'm telling you there is a statute. It says purposeful or knowing killing of another. 
which isn't excused by and then has a list of things, which this is not one of them. Okay. Okay. Uh, is murder. Okay. And so you will not find in the statute, let's just assume, right, that you will not find in the statute words that apply to this situation. Okay. Uh, maybe there are some other excuses. I forget actually how Lon Fuller sets it up in the, in the article. I think the, I think the, 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 the notion of due process of law, of fundamental fairness, requires that the court be empowered to uh, conclude that the person has not committed a crime, even if the words in that statute book that define the crime and list the defenses do not provide an exit for this situation. So the legislature does not have authority over this question. It does have authority. It doesn't have absolute authority mm-hmm. over it, in my, in my view. That's due process requires that. So all it, rules are defeasible. The legislature is not authorized to say that this particular conduct is illegal. In other words, if they made a law which applied only to the situation in advance, so we don't have an ex post facto consideration, uh, that law would be wholly void. No, um, no. Uh, if they had that a law, would be a dramatically different circumstance because it would tell me that the legislature thought about this very scenario and took the trouble to spell out what it wanted the outcome of it to be. The situation you posited first was the statute doesn't seem to address mm-hmm. the situation. Okay, so terms. these are that different seems situations. Quite different. So, to me. D- so what is the? Because um, uh, I'm confronted. You said with due process requires yeah, an exception in this circumstance. Fa- fairness requ- No, that's not what I said. Okay, I said fairness requires that the court be empowered to recognize an exception. That and that's different. So um, a statute though that says that the court is not so empowered to recognize an exception, that would change the, what the court does. That's what I'm not understanding about. Oh, you, you, you keep changing the statute. Um, so this statute, after it defines murder and lists the exception, says no, 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 there no, shall no, be no, no. no other exceptions? No, no, no. Is it, see, we're, we're, yeah, this is, uh, I'm sorry, I'm being too disorganized. Um, after you said that um, that statute, which uh, defines murder and has exceptions, but is not one of these, uh, that uh, the, the court could create an exception and it's empowered to do so through some kind of due process principle, perhaps in a constitution or perhaps from uh, custom. I said, what if the legislature passed a, had passed a statute before this occurred, which spoke specifically to the situation and says in such situations, the cave explorers in question shall not be allowed to commit, uh, to, to engage in a killing, even to save their own lives. So yeah. we, uh, okay. in that circumstance, what, what result for the court? I, I would I would follow the statute um, because it because I don't unless someone has an argument about why the statute itself is is. But I thought you said due process requires the court to. That was a different statute. Okay, that was one that didn't have that tailor-made cave provision. So what is it the due process requires? In it requires a court to be able to say, although this statute looks like it comprehensively addresses all possible situations. It doesn't address this one. And so we need to be able to say the statute doesn't go, doesn't, doesn't reach this situation. It's, it's not absolute. It's not exhaustive. So it's a, so, so you, cause I was talking yeah. about the statute that defined murder and listed some exceptions, mm-hmm. but did not have an exception that applied to this. Right. And did not have a provision saying there shall be no other exceptions. Indeed. Right? Yeah. But you, you wanted to add that later, but 
so, so your due process principle is that where permissible, a court can ex, uh, uh, a court shall or, or or at least shall be permitted um, to find exceptions consistent with some other important principles. Yeah. Now, why I think that has to be. I think it has to be that way. Mm-hmm. Why does it have to be that way? That's interesting. Because it because I think that is a pr- because I think people will not would not agree to be governed in a system that didn't preserve that principle. That principle of fairness in treatment is necessary to engender people's consent to be governed in So this when way. the legislature passes the specific statute, um, then it has injected a new principle. This is the statute specifically banning eating each other in caves. Yes, uh, after cave-ins. Right. Then... Whereas had that statute not been there, the court would have concluded that there were general principles either from the constitution or custom that required recognitions of necessity and exigency in such circumstances for yes. life preservation. Right. And these principles required reading in extra statutory um, uh, exceptions. Right. But when the legislature speaks directly to the issue, it trumps these either constitutional principles or general principles or what? Yeah. I mean, it's a more specific, it doesn't trump them, it's a more specific application of the, of the system for arriving at rules and standards. Hmm. And, the, and the general one that defined murder and listed some exceptions is perfectly good for the situations it directly speaks to, but isn't good for speaking to this extremely bizarre set of circumstances. All right, here's what Fuller says the statute says. Whosoever... Or whoever shall willfully take the life of another shall be punished by death. And then one of the judges in the case says this statute permits of no exception applicable to this case. Now you could, and you could reach that conclusion for two reasons. You could say um, it doesn't it doesn't have an exception for this case because it has no exceptions at all, which would be kind of a literalist reading of it. Or you could say it has no exceptions because. It doesn't mention exceptions. We're, of course, free to create new exceptions where other legal principles require us to do so. Uh, But when we look to those other legal principles, none of them actually mandate an exception here. Mm -hmm. Right? The first technique portrays the statute as being a complete answer. Right. The second one uh, portrays the statute as being a partial answer. And you feel that it is a partial answer. I do, but I, but because I feel that virtually all statutes are only partial answers. Yeah. For example, um, the, because given the nature of language and the way it, it imperfectly captures facts in the world, mm-hmm. um, virtually any statute could seem as if it's triggered in a circumstance where most people would say, oh, that's, a, that's an absurd conclusion to reach. Mm-hmm. Well, so what do we do in that instance? What Anglo-American do- law does in that instance is it says, don't construe statutes to be absurd. So it says, avoid absurd outcomes. That's, that's a sense in which all rules are defeasible. At the very least, defeasible in, in outcomes where they would, pr- in situations where it would produce an absurd outcome. So how do we know what the law is? Like, how do we know? Like, if, if it's the case that all rules are defeasible, if there are other important principles, and the other important principles are what judges think that those principles are, then how do we know what the law is? Could the explorers have known what the law was before they decided to eat each other? Or are they, they making just predictions about what judges are going to do? Yeah, after I think they get it's, out? A, it is, it's a weird question. How do we know what, what it is? I, I think 
because I think it treats the answer as binary. Like Mm -hmm. we know, and so knowledge is being implicitly portrayed there as a zero or one phenomenon, right? It's, it, it's either can be known perfectly or cannot be known at all. Yeah. And I don't think it's that. I think it's, it can be known because we can, with a greater degree or lesser degree of confidence, we can estimate how people will respond to the situation. Okay, so so that's one response that that it's true that what the law is is what judges ended up end up saying that it is, and that our ability to predict what that's going to be is what we usually mean when we say you know the law says you have to the law right. is you have to do this right. Yeah, what we mean truth, is that it's very likely that a case that comes out a case involving certain facts will come out a certain way. Yeah, and the reason why I think that's a, a sensible approach to take to it is because law is very much a human activity here. We're, we're talking about activities, the activities of human beings. So uh, it's not surprising that it's a prediction about what humans will do because it's, it's a human activity. Yeah. So someone, so that's Holmes, right? That the law is basically a pro that, that what we, what we mean when we say the law is, is that we're making a prophecy about what judges will do in the future. Right. Right. And but the, but what's paradoxical is that it's uh, it is that and when you talk to judges about what their life is like they don't say oh i'm i just make prophecies about what i myself will do right it's it feels right. different well that's right because from the perspective of a judge you know how do you decide what you do is it a is it a prophecy about what another judge like me would have done you know how do we arrive at these prophecies and that's <laughs> right. the process by which i should so there are many different ways of 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 dealing with this right uh, of understanding you know what the law is that i should aspire to uphold yeah right what, so we could ask a judge what is it what is it like to try to come up with an answer mm-hmm. we could ask a sociologist Go watch a bunch of judges answer questions and tell us what you see, right? Right. And, and those are different ways of getting at the phenomenon. So one, one, so one approach might be for the judge to say that law can always be identified based on discrete observable facts in our society. These are things that we have done, like you want to know what the, you know, and this is just the way I will discipline myself in order to um, judge cases, right? In order to apply the law. What yeah. I will do is I will observe specific facts that have occurred in the past in relation to the law, and I will say that those control the outcome of this case. Okay. And so, for example, in this case, I will observe that there was a passage by the legislature of this murder statute. Yep. That social fact right, is uh, I recognize as enacting the law. I don't recognize public opinion, other things, as having the attributes that I think maybe our constitution or some superior law picks out and recognizes as having legal effect. But But the legislative passage does. And in fact, our law, I would say, or if I were this kind of judge, I'm not, but uh, recognizes that that legislative enactment speaks fully to the question and sweeps aside other pre-existing, maybe common law principles. Okay. In which case, I would say the statute says what it says. It says murder is the following. Uh, there are maybe some exceptions, maybe none, but none of them involve this case. Right. And therefore, my job as a judge is to apply 
that law which is recognized by the relevant social facts, which here is passage by the legislature. Now, perhaps having concluded that that is the law and applying it in this case and sentencing these explorers to death, there may nonetheless be the opportunity for clemency uh, by the executive. The executive right. uh, but my role as a judge is not to make that political decision. I agree with Rather, that. It's just to apply, <laughs> it's to apply the law. And by the law, we mean uh, um, those commands which are identified as law based on social facts, which we've described in another document or that are part of our basic law. We, we'll get to the, this is all, you know, go ahead. Yeah. And so the, it just seems like the short, so the shortcoming of that, the thing that I think that, that approach that you just laid out so clearly, um, the thing that I think it misses mm-hmm. is that one of the social facts is, yeah, the stuff in that statute book. That's one of the social facts or some of the social facts. But other social facts include writing the statute that creates judgeships and the fact that you were appointed in accordance with those statutes and that having the power that you've been given under that appointment to the judiciary is the power to decide individual cases, which is applying those statutes to those individual cases. So these are social facts every bit as prominent and real and important as the social facts of the statute. And your story didn't quite, seems to me, fully pick them up and recognize them and use them or acknowledge them or reckon with them. Because you, in a way, you were making yourself a transparent piece of glass through which the words of the statute would pass. If I'm committed to that principle, that, does it, is that the, yes, I, yes. Did that make sense? What yeah, I just it, said? it does. It does. And and uh, and what you're saying is that that judges find their their constitution as judges from other sources, which may give them uh, other um, other right motives in interpreting the law. Right. That they, in other words, they're instructed to interpret. You know, they're instructed by varying sorts of uh, um, principles to uh, uh, statutes wherever they come from to engage in the act of interpretation. Um, I'm not saying this right. By, by all, but I think you were saying it right. Because, I, I'm just trying to channel you. Yeah. It was, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean not, not saying it right. The, I gotta the, cut this the, out. The, the yeah. picture, um, the, I was just trying to describe what I felt like, I, what felt like it was being left out of the, of the, the decisional approach that you outlined. And but, I've, and I've right. heard, and I've read many opinions where judges talk that way. And so it's, I know it's a very familiar way to do things. Um, and what is unsatisfying in this instance, as in all those prior ones is it seems to almost, uh, act as if the judge is not part of the process of what's going on right now in making the determination. And that sounds inaccurate to me because the judge is very much involved. That's why the judge is speaking. Well, because there's a system that has put that judge in that position to evaluate. One response to that in this case is to do as I think you're doing, which is to say that although there is law which identifies the statute as um, as having authority and stating what the law is, there may be other sources within our law that identify other, perhaps even competing or superior or equal uh, sources of law that the judge has to engage, and indeed there may be an even further 
uh, kind of law in our society that identifies the judge as the person who must weigh these different principles or weigh these different sources of law. And in that sense, becomes a, that the judge, him or herself, becomes a source of law. So that's, that's one response to uh, the idea that um, what you're stating is, is, is a positivist response to, um, to the claim that a certain kind of positivism results in textualism. Or, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I do. in other words, we just look at the text of a statute and all the judge is the piece of glass and the rays of the statute shine clearly unobstructed through that. And all the judge is, is a vessel for the enactment of the legislative will in a particular case. Right. Or a lens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you're saying, no, that, um, that law can be identified with social facts. And, and I'll contrast that in just a second with the alternative. Uh, but those social facts are a more complicated pastiche or amalgam of things is that right that they yeah that there is the constitution there is the statute there's the appointment of the judge, that judge. There's, there's precedent the... there's past interpretations of the right. statute so the question is how do people and why do people disagree about the law so if the law can be identified with social facts meaning things that have happened in society before and we can point to those things and say that, that that's where the law comes from um, is it the case that when people disagree about the law that one of them is wrong? It could be, but I don't think it would necessarily be that. Now, if, now why? Why is that? So if two people... If, because the law is composed partly of judgments and, and that, that people can differ about. On what are those judgments based? All sorts of things. Are they all social facts? Uh, once they're made. No, but uh, they're bases. Oh, they're, are, there, are all their bases social facts? Right. I guess we're going to have to decide what you mean by the phrase social fact. Because hmm. it sounds like you put a lot of importance on it. So I wanted to hear you I feel you like we're not more. ready to talk about this, do you? What? what? I feel like we're not ready to talk about this. Are we making any progress on this? I don't know. We're trying, I'm trying to back into the Fuller, Hart, Dworkin kind of triad in a way that's understandable for the listeners and somewhat yeah, illuminating. I, think, I feel like we're doing more obscuring than illuminating. We are. Our strategy is not working at all. <laughs> If that's what you wanted to do, our strategy is a complete failure. <laughs> so I think, I think we should stop this conversation. Mm. Um, I think you just gave us an interesting alternative conversation. I think this conversation has been fun. And this is part of what it's like to struggle with a question like, what is law? Uh, what we just did as a sort of reenactment of what some of those conversations can be like. I think that's fun. Um, but if, if we want to do the other thing you just said, which seems to me very, very different, um, we shouldn't back into it. We should do it. Well, here, so here's what, we, here's what I'd like to be able to show. When people um, disagree about the issues of the day, it's about abortion rights, gun rights, uh, these are legally what the Constitution requires uh, or how a particular statute should be interpreted. I want to be able to suggest that people, dis and people can be wrong or right, but whether they are wrong or right depends on a particular understanding of what the law is. And so the, the question of what the law is depends on what, <laughs> what we mean by the law, right? So we have to have a concept of law in order to know who's right or wrong in any particular legal conclusion. You know what I mean? I do, I think. And... And that oftentimes, or maybe al almost always, when people disagree about what the law requires, it's because they have different visions of what the law is. 
different visions of what it means to do law. They're, in Dworkin's terms, they're disagreeing on law's grounds. So, and you, I want to. Sh- you just made a descriptive claim, yeah, about the nature of lots of disagreements about what the law requires in a given instance. Mm-hmm. Did I hear you right? Well, I'm making, it again I'm, I'm, making a claim, about, I'm making a claim about this, uh, about, um, about the... You said people disagree about X, but they really disagree about Y. Right. Okay, so say X and Y again. X is whether, a, um, uh, whether abortion is constitutional. Okay, so, so people... Or, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, X is whether um, abortion bans are constitutional. Okay. So y, people see, like, the, the, um, a, a state passes a statute prohibiting abortion. Right. Um, and people are arguing about whether that statute's constitutional or right. not. Okay. And you say, well, that seems like what they're arguing about. Part of what they're really arguing about, though, is... Yeah, X, so X prime, I won't get to Y, X prime is, well, what does the Constitution mean? X double prime is like, well, what is the role of the court in elaborating the meaning of the Constitution? And mm. the relation... And then maybe Y is... How, how does law actually work? Like, what, is, what do we mean when we say apply the Constitution? What do we mean by doing law? What does it mean to do law? And, and from that... And all of that could be, could be part and parcel of what it's like to be those two people having that debate about that state statute. Exactly. They might be, they might be agreeing or disagreeing about many of those different lay, layers or levels of stuff. Mm-hmm. They might be agreeing about some of them and disagreeing about others. Right. They might be agreeing about all of them, but one. And so, yes. And, and you know, to do this justice, we'd have to go through the whole series from the legal realist to Dworkin, Hartful. We'd have to look at all this stuff, right? And which, you know, we, we would do in a law school class. I'm trying to motivate that kind of intuitively just in this conversation without getting into all of those details. And maybe it's impossible, but I feel like it's necessary background for me to say what I want to say about law as perception. Right? Okay. That that law is our perception of law. We'll get into that, you know, next time. But I think initially it's important to kind of break down these seemingly intractable constitutional debates into different uh, different attitudes towards what the act of making law is. Is it mm. so? What is the what is the relation between law and morality? Is one of the classic yes. conundrums of the law, right? So this case about the Spelunkian uh, Spelunkian explorers. Uh, you know, one uh, fulcrum of disagreement is whether the law is what the legislature says. All the morality and moral uh, philosophy went into the crafting of such statutes and maybe a constitution which would pass on such statutes, but we're assuming this is constitutional. Is that all that it is? Is that kind of that pure positivism that, that, uh, that law and morality are, are separate? Or is the application of law or the interpretation of law or the reasoning about what the law really is, and those are all three different things, is that an an, an inextricably uh, moral enterprise? In other words, can you not get morality out of the act of applying the law or saying what the law is? And, you know, so you don't have to go all the way to natural law, right? With natural law is that kind of philosophy that says that there is a a set of moral principles with which the law must comply in order to be law, right? And Fuller, of course, is is famous for having 
a sense of uh, um, a, a very thin kind of natural law, right, which is procedural, that law must be procedurally just in certain ways in order to count as law. And if it doesn't meet those requirements, right. you can't even say that it's, that, it, that it's really law. What he called it, it's internal morality. Right. Uh, there are other natural lawyers um, who, who point to natural law principles uh, that are substantive, right? The law has to recognize human dignity in various ways. Right. Um, which we can talk about. Um, and then there's Dworkin. He's kind of, I think, in between in an important way. He believes that, that law, the, the act of interpreting law is an inherently moral enterprise. It's the act of taking the universe of legal materials right, and making them into the best that they can be in light of the moral principles of the community. If we think about all, and then like it started off with, there's just the positive. It just says, well, all those things can be reasons why you would pass a law or make a law, but the law in a case is identifiable only with those past deeds, like only with the past things we've written down. And when we look at this Blunkian Explorer's case, we see that we're kind of pulled around intuitively by these different ideas, unless we're really mindful about it, right? Because one of the reasons you would think, okay, the statute clearly says this, right? The statute clearly says a hot dog is not a sandwich or that it only applies to sandwiches, right? And in this case, the law only says murder is this. It doesn't say there's an exception. And in a bunch of other cases, we've never found exceptions, right? Why am I pulled to find an exception here? Is it because of something in those words? I don't think so. It's from- well, well, what I started when, way back in the conversation, what I first started to do, and I don't know why we stopped doing it, Maybe I know. Anyway, what I, fir- <laughs> what I first started to do was I was thinking in terms of self-defense because I feel like self-defense is a well-accepted exception to the prohibition on murder. And so I said, is there a way to think about what they did in the cave as a form of self-defense? It, it's not a form of self-defense in they were repelling an active attack, but they were trying to preserve themselves, yes, which okay. is what self-defense is after all, yeah, is course, an act of self-preservation. These, yeah, we can make these arguments from self-defense. We can make the arguments from necessity. Uh, we can make the... So I was trying to yeah. take a very, what I take to be a very bizarre turn of events and, dis, and talk about the way in which it's enough like the things that the legislature did provide, looking at the past social facts to say we should treat this new set like that old set. You're positing there is this old set, this self-defense category. Yeah, you... Yeah, I don't want to do the runaround on what the... The statute is going to have some accepted defenses in it. One of them is going to be self-defense. The issue is why you are choosing those things. Like, why are you choosing to focus on this as a form of self-defense? It's not so much... Can you imagine making an argument which other people will find acceptable? But what is it about the making of that argument that makes it sound acceptable? Like, what are you, to what are you appealing? Um, I think that, it, as, you, as you were describing before, without deciding whether it's the totality of the law, but, but I think everyone would agree it's a significant portion of the law, is w- w- what are these authoritative declarations mm-hmm. about what we should do as social facts. And if you couldn't find that, so, so your willingness to resort to a self def- stre- basically stretching or applying anew a self-defense doctrine depends on the availability of that doctrine. It depends on that having been used before. 
Is that right? Yes. And does it matter what, so if it's in the statute, so suppose this is our first case involving self-defense and it's not in the statute, (laughs) right? You would apply it, right? You would apply it because why? We go back to the due process idea that you yeah, started with, but but, but right. I'm 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 not so interested in the label, but what but where it comes from, like why is it because that's a moral principle, and it's and it's inextricably bound with the interpretation of statutes that it comply with a, some kind of morality. I think the the statute that says that it's a wrong to take another life, um, it doesn't apply to the situation where you're where. The focus of what you're doing isn't taking the other's life, it's preserving your own. And the reason it's not covered by that is because of, a, of an implicit judgment of that it's wrong to take another's life gratuitously. So I'm evaluating what I, what I'm, I'm, trying, to under, I'm trying to grasp what I take to be the, the wrong that's at the core of the prohibition. This is mm-hmm. why it was put off limits. Mm-hmm. It's wrong in this way. Mm-hmm. Is this new act wrong in that way or not? If it's not wrong in that way, then I shouldn't prohibit it. So you would treat the statute as evidence for what the real law is and not itself the law? Uh, no. I mean, it is the law, but it's the law to, to have... It is the law. And in being the law, however, it, it continues to have a purpose. And the purpose is part of what animates it and part of what limits it. It is a datum, right? It is, and it is an important piece of, uh, it is an important part of our legal data. The purpose. Uh, the, 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 the words themselves. In the oh, statute, that too. The yeah. words themselves. I said this in class the other day, apropos of I'm not, I don't recall what, but statutes are not, are not accidents near keyboards. Mm-hmm. They're, they're an effort to, <laughs> Uh, to sum up and crystallize in a particular form, a, a coordinated event um, that, that captures a purpose and a plan. And I think they need to be applied that way. And why? So, be- because we're trying to do the best we can? Why do they need can? to be applied that yeah. way? Um, is this an institutional judgment about the way that people make law? I mean, so this is what we're trying to get to, yeah, and right? What pe- I mean, and what people can accept, or will accept, or would accept. I think if we started acting mindless en masse, um, you know, I think if enough judges did that, acted like, oh, statutes are, are, you know, might as well be sort of random patterns of stones on a beach, um, I think that would lead to a sufficiently large quantity of absurd results that people would take the judiciary and dump it into the ocean, as well they should. So what result in this case, if you knew in advance that, um, uh, that the crafters of the murder statute did in fact have in mind that, um, uh, murder for utilitarian reasons was, uh, killing for utilitarian reasons was wrong and that better that 10 should die than they sh- than that nine should kill one. Um, but that opinions have changed radically and the statute is a hundred years old. That's the, because this gets at what we think the statute really is, right? Right. And I, and I think one really important question is, what outcome is fairly called for by those words fairly read, right? Read without 
subterfuge, read without trying to reach a result and, and pass it off without, you know, uh, well, as long as the opinion doesn't make me blush with shame, as long as it doesn't make my cheeks burn, I'm willing to say it, right? No, I, r- try to read it in a, in, a, in a straightforward, pragmatic, workmanlike way. What does it permit and what does it forbid? Is okay, this, is, now take right. that and say, is this, so, so how does that reading of it apply to this new situation? Okay, now right? we're getting, started. so do you think this is because uh, that the very reason for the law is to settle questions in advance to promote stability? I think that is a huge reason for law. Absolutely. And, if and the, I, because I think yeah. state, settling things in advance and that kind of stability promotes a lot of peace and a lot of enjoyment of life and prevents a lot of suffering. And so I think that's a very good approach. And so the, the very idea of law is associated with the idea, at least to some extent, of planning. Yes. Because, again, it leads to better life. Life is better when you plan some stuff. And that, when you that's plan when humans are when, when we interact, like you know, when we when we are cooperating in a group, inevitably there are going to be things which are done better together, yeah. And without coordination, which will be will fall apart. Yeah. I mean, tragedies of the commons, yeah. other things, right? So, there, what Shapiro calls conditions of legality, we find ourselves in the conditions of legality, the conditions where we need law, where we need to settle some questions in advance, so that we can decide what to do, so that we can do things well. Yeah, I like and, it. Should we end there? Sure. Because I actually think that this is a, that's a fine idea of the way that maybe we should think about law, but I have some concerns. Okay. Do we want to do that next time? Yes.